Colby Daniels podcast, along with Will Brewer, another MMA episode, UFC 263 last Saturday night. We'll talk all about that. We'll preview this week's card. Will Brewer, what is happening, my friend? Man, another week, uh, another week in the life of MMA, man. It's it's been a crazy couple weeks, but you know, another another Saturday night full of fights, and I'm looking forward to it. All right, we're going to hit UFC 263 out of the gate. Um, it's been, what, four or five days now to kind of digest everything that happened on Saturday night. What was the biggest storyline for you? Because we can obviously start with the main event, but I want to start with what you think was the biggest storyline Saturday night. Was it Brandon Moreno winning the title? Was it Israel Adesanya's dominance and maybe how delusional Marvin Vittori was at the end of that fight? Uh, was it the Nate Diaz? Uh, I mean, just fan favorite surviving everything he did to have that final flurry in the last minute of the fight like what to you when it was all said and done and the dust settled what to you stood out the most man the biggest story for me uh i mean uh izzy's dominance you know i I feel like that was expected i feel like what happened with leon and nate uh as far even though it was really uh surprising at towards the end and nate almost got the finish i think the most surprising and biggest story from the uh, from the night was Brandon Moreno, man. I think he's completely surprised everyone with his performance, uh, a completely dominant performance uh, to be the first Mexican-born champion. Just so many things that, that goes into his victory. I think Brandon Moreno, for sure, is the biggest story. Yeah, I, I think that you could make the argument that what Nate Diaz and what Leon Edwards didn't do uh, could potentially be the biggest story, but I'm with you as far as the biggest surprise. I, I think Brandon Moreno not only winning, but winning the way that he did uh, was like it, it, when when it was all over. I was like, holy cow! That I, I did not expect that. Number one, I didn't even I, I picked Figueredo to win that. I thought it would be a much more dominant performance this time around than it was the first time around. And look, it was a draw the first time around because there was a point taken away from Figueredo. I don't know what we watched on Saturday night from Figueredo. I, I don't know if it was a mental thing. Obviously, he had another bad weight cut. I don't know if it was a, a physical thing. That was not the same Davison Figueredo that we've seen. He Something was off. Something was different. He looked like a completely different fighter. Now, I also don't want to take anything away from Brandon Moreno because Brandon Moreno was equally as as brilliant in that fight and executed everything he needed to but i i just i don't what was brandon moreno responsible for why we saw figueredo look as off as he was or did you feel like there just wasn't something right about him from the get-go yeah uh you know i think um a lot of elements just uh contributed to that bad performance from figueredo i think he wasn't as um he didn't. He wasn't uh, stalking uh, Moreno like he did in the first fight. Like I think that uh, Moreno was on his was on his toes a lot in that fight because he was expecting the big power to come. And in, and in the second fight, you know, it just wasn't the same. I feel like Figueredo was really just like leaning back and uh, kind of letting Moreno get comfortable. And uh, once Moreno got comfortable, I feel like he kind of really just let himself go. And uh, we saw the performance that we saw. Uh, I think he really saw that Figueredo really wasn't a threat, and uh, I think yeah. the weight cut had a um, had a, a big part in that. Uh, I think you know watching him uh, on the scale, walk up to the scale, and how he almost fell walking up the stairs. You know, um, 
and then you just getting on just getting on the on the scale you could just tell like he could barely lift his leg up um the weight cut was really the fight for Figueredo. And once he got through that, I think he just really didn't have much left in the actual fight. And, you know, you could just tell he got dropped by a jab. You know, we haven't ever really seen that um, from any of his previous fights. Um, yeah, so I don't know if it's something where Figueredo is going to have to move up and wait or if he's just going to have to just really uh, get, you know, get a nutritionist and see if he can really uh, bear down on what uh, is going to make it an uh, easier weight cut for him. But, yeah, that fight wasn't uh, the the Davidson Figueroa that we see the vicious, uh, the vicious guy, the violent guy who's who always goes out there and has really been finishing guys. I think that um, the first fight really showed how tough that Moreno was, and I think he put a lot of pressure on him on himself to try to get a finish uh, in the first round. That's what he wanted to do. That's what Figueroa wanted to do, and I think you know Moreno wasn't having it. You know, I think. Right. Once he saw that um, Figueroa wasn't a threat, I think Moreno, like I said, just let himself go, and you know Figueroa had no answer for him. Yeah, I, I, obviously there was a physical element involved. I think when you consider the weight cut, um, I also do think that there was somewhat of a mental issue there as well. Consider, you know, he didn't think Moreno was going to be able to stay with him. They go five rounds. Uh, you know, there was the push. Like, there's obviously some some mental warfare happening. Uh, with Figueredo as well, but I think the one thing that stands out to me above and beyond anything else that happened, we didn't see a single explosive moment from Figueredo in that fight. Like, even when he did throw, which was, was it felt very rare uh, in comparison to what we usually see from him when it's just kind of an all-out blitz and he's just going to try to kind of bully you inside that octagon. But, even, you know, it was a rare thing, but when he did it just didn't even feel like there was any explosiveness there. Like he was trying to find a gear that he just didn't have. And like you said, I think it didn't take long into that fight. And Brandon Moreno felt like this guy's not a threat and kind of had his way the rest, you know, the rest of the way. It felt like uh, when Moreno would throw that it was very, very predictable. And you could just kind of tell like Moreno was just going to slide out of the way and that he just, he just saw everything coming. Uh, I felt like uh, Moreno's evolution as a fighter, you know, I think it all just came together. You could just see when he was walking to the cage, like how focused that he was. And <clears throat> I didn't get the same type of vibes from uh, Figueredo on his way to the cage. You know, it just kind of felt like uh, he wasn't all there. And you could see it in, in his performance. And uh, But, I, you know, we say all this about Figueredo, uh, about the weight cut and everything, but, you know, I really don't want to take away from the great performance that Brandon Moreno had. It was uh, it was a very, very solid performance. He did what he had to do. And for him to go out there and uh, take advantage and finish Figueredo uh, and submit him, that's something that I definitely yeah. didn't expect to happen. I thought uh, I thought that Figueredo was going to come out and be overly aggressive, too aggressive to the point where he was going to get countered and uh, get knocked out uh, by being over-aggressive. But he was uh, laying back and just, and just kind of took it. You know, it was it definitely wasn't the Figueroa that we're used to seeing, but Moreno definitely deserves his flowers for sure. Yeah, and that, that's that's the thing. Like, I always hate when you ha when I feel like the losing side was missing something, and that's something we talk about. And it, I think some people may take that as like taking something away from the guy that won, and that's that's not the point at all. It just it it was a. a Davis and Figueredo that just didn't feel like he had any explosiveness whatsoever. And look, he had some explosiveness in the last fight, and it's you know it's not like he 
uh, was able to put away Brandon Moreno anyway. So not trying to say that, that that changes the fight. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. It's just simply an observation that didn't feel like that was there for him. Meanwhile, Brandon Moreno looked as sharp as he could possibly look. And this is one of those cases, I, I say this all the time when we do our picks, this is one I'm, I'm definitely happy to be wrong about. Uh, I'm definitely, I picked Figueredo to win this. I am so happy to see Brandon Moreno as a champion. You, I, I'm sure anybody that follows the sport has heard countless people over the course of the last week talk about what a good guy Brandon Moreno is. I'm not going to speak to what kind of guy he is, but I'll just say that he is as likable as, as anybody in the sport, right? Like when you just see how he interacts with people in interviews and the way he carries himself, he's just a, an extremely likable guy. And I, I'm just, I'm thrilled for the guy to be able to experience his dream on Saturday night. Yeah, like like you said, it is really, really hard not to really root for that guy when you see how he is in front of the cameras and everything. Like, he's always got the biggest smile on his face. He's always just going up to people. And it just seems like he just has this energy that just is just, just really, really positive about him. And it's just really good to see him go out there and realize his dream. You can see how much it meant to him. Uh, you can see, like, the, the tears flowing down his face, like seeing, like, he's the first Mexican-born champion. You can just tell how much it meant to him. I remember um, he was he got interviewed after uh, he made weight, and you could just tell that he he was really struggling because you know weight cut weight cuts are tough for everybody, but you could just tell like even though he was struggling from the weight cut that he was still wanted to give a great interview and still wanted to give off the positive uh, the positive vibes, and I just thought that said a lot about the, about his character. So um, yeah, it's really really good to see uh, Moreno win win this fight, and uh, you know. He, it seemed like he put on a lot of size, uh, a lot of muscle mass. He seemed a lot bigger from his last fight. And, you know, you could just tell, like, throughout the, these last six months from from the first fight to this fight, uh, he was really locked in on uh, becoming champion and uh, fixing anything that he felt that he needed to do to, to become champion. And, uh, you know, on, on with as far as Figueredo, you know, he made weight twice in the span of uh, three weeks. So I'm sure that that was tough on him. But, you know, I thought that he would have had that the weight cut kind of mastered by now. But, you know, it's obvious that he didn't. Uh, I don't know what he did in those in those last two weight cuts to really to really get it down pat. But it's going to be something he's going to have to get back to because this one was really, really tough to see him uh, almost fall on the scale and stuff. Yeah, he. I mean, he is. Uh, he's kind of a specimen at 125, right? And it kind of seems like these weight cuts are getting harder and harder for him. Uh, at some point, you may have to evaluate whether that's the right division to stay in. Can you fight at a high level when you're depleting yourself to that degree uh, 24 hours before you fight? I don't know what the future is, but I look at that division, Will. I, I don't know what makes sense necessarily uh, as far as who you give Moreno. I know that uh, Figueredo was immediately campaigning for a trilogy fight. I don't know that that doesn't make a ton of sense. It also doesn't, like, I'm not crazy to see it immediately, but I look at that division and I don't know who else really moves the needle either. So, um, you know, that's that's always kind of been one of those interesting divisions where, uh, you know, at the top, they've kind of struggled to find superstars that kind of, you know, will, will move the needle in that way. Uh, so right now at 125, I, I, don't, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what direction they go in. Yeah, you know, for me, uh, I think if you really want to capitalize on uh, Brandon Moreno being the first Mexican-born champion and all the fan uh, fare that he got while uh, he was in Arizona and everything, I think if you really want to capitalize off of that, 
I think you just go for a money type fight. I think you try to uh, get a Cody Garbrandt, um, who even though he lost his last fight, he's still a fan yeah. favorite, a, a guy that the casuals will know, a guy who's a former champion. I feel like you you, you could still sell that fight. Um, I think uh, Cody, he's been saying that he can make 125. I think if he's really serious about it, I think you know why not go ahead and make that fight. Um, if not Cody, um, I think you know there's been rumblings of having Henry Cejudo come out of uh, retirement right. to fight him. I I wouldn't be mad at that. Um, Henry Cejudo does have a name, and he was a former flyweight champion who never lost the belt. I mean, there's a there's a built-in story storyline with that. You know, he can come back and say I never lost it and all that and all that good stuff. So I feel like that would be a fun fight uh, and a fight that you could really sell as well. Um, if you can't do those two, um, you know, maybe you do go with Figueredo, but I think there's a lot of questions with Figueredo first. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad if you did make Figueredo fight someone else, prove that he can make the weight, prove that he can still be that vicious guy and then have him fight Moreno. Yeah. But, um, um, as far as the rest of the division, like we said, there's not many guys that really move the needle, like, uh, Askar Askarov, you know, not many people really know him. So, I mean, I think if you just want to capitalize on, on Brandon Moreno's, uh, uh, star that what I mean what is there right now I mean go with one of those first three but um, couldn't agree more there's a lot of there's a lot of talented guys in that division but they just don't have that name right now right yeah I, I think you need to put the rest of the guys in the top 10 right now in positions to kind of establish themselves to maybe be that guy Meanwhile, you know, if it's Cody Garbrandt, if it's Henry Cejudo, if you have to do the Figueredo trilogy fight immediately, I think I'd probably prefer one of the other two guys uh, first, like you said. But, um, yeah, really interesting. And, again, congratulations to Brandon Moreno, the new flyweight champion of the UFC. All right, I thought uh, Nate Diaz versus Leon Edwards will. I, I think you might have texted me this uh, while I was saying it out loud on Saturday night at my house. Leon Edwards has to be the most unlucky human being walking the earth right now. I don't know who he pissed off, but it is like karma is completely against this guy. To get the opportunity to salvage the eye poke fiasco in his return to the octagon against Bilal Muhammad, and you're gifted... Nate Diaz, which is the biggest non-title fight I think you can have in that division to elevate your status to a title contender, to the number one contender, to have a title shot next, to dominate that guy for 24 minutes of a 25-minute fight and to be so unlucky that the only minute you don't dominate just happens to be the final minute of the whole fight... And to be wobbly on your legs for the final 60 seconds of the fight with Nate Diaz trying to walk you down and finish you and kind of give the feeling that you were saved by the bell. Worst case scenario for the UFC as well. Like, what a catastrophe that was. Uh, I really feel for Leon, man, because, I mean... There have been rumblings that Kamaru Usman is going to fight Kobe uh, Covington next, but I really think that that fight hasn't been announced because they were waiting to see what was the outcome of this Leon Edwards and Nate Diaz fight. I feel like the t the title shot was up for grabs for either one of those guys. Uh, I feel like if Nate Diaz just would have won, he would have got the title shot. But Leon Edwards, he doesn't have that star appeal yet. You know, he doesn't have the trash talking. He's very, very skilled, 
but he doesn't have he doesn't move the needle as we're, as we're talking about it you know he doesn't move the needle right now and he had a, a golden opportunity to do that with uh with Nate Diaz I feel like the the longer that the fight went even though Leon Edwards was dominating I feel like the longer it went the worse it was getting for him because it was the longer the fight went just the, the better it made Nate look I mean even though uh Leon was doing his thing and he was winning the fight you know Nate Diaz was just coming out looking like okay like this is, this really isn't doing much to me you know he's he's doing his thing but this isn't much you know um you know, Leon just proved – he just proved what, what most people already knew, that he's really, really good. Uh, most people didn't really know, like, who he was. But people know, like, he's ranked in the top of the division for a reason. But Leon Edwards had to finish that fight. And if he would have finished that fight, we would be talking about Kamaru Usman versus Leon Edwards um, for the title next. I know – I feel 100% that would that would be what would, what would be next. But the fact that he won by a decision, and then on top of that, in the fifth round for him to almost get finished, I feel like – this was more of a loss than a win for, for Leon Edwards. I, I feel like even though he got his hand raised, I feel like it was very, very telling how Nate Diaz raised his arms and flexed on him and everything. I feel like um, this was more of Nate Diaz's night for sure. Yeah, it was absolutely Nate Diaz's night. And that's why it's the worst case scenario because Leon Edwards dominated the fight. Leon Edwards wins four rounds to one. Like on the scorecard, it's not even close. Leon Edwards dominated 98% of that fight. But the lasting impression is going to be Leon Wobbly and Nate Diaz trying to get the finish before the the bell rings. And that's all people are going to remember. They're not going to remember all the work Leon did for 24 minutes leading up to the big shot landing. And I'm with you to a degree on it not being great for Leon. But I would say that if that final minute doesn't go down and the fight just continues the same way, Leon wins that fight 50-45. And although it wasn't going to be one of those fight like it wasn't going to be one of those wins that just shoots his star power through the roof I think winning 50-45 over Nate Diaz at least gets you the title shot so I I think the UFC wanted this to be a fight where obviously Nate Diaz is established Nate Diaz is what he is this was going to be the fight that put Leon over the top and that really wasn't happening on top of the fact that it ends the wrong way with the other guy, the guy that got dominated in the fight, looking like the winner at, at the end of the night. So, I mean, I, I it, what a catastrophe. I, I don't know. Like, if you're Leon Edwards, you just have to be like, why? Why? Like, <laughs> 24 minutes, man, of... And, and, you know, again, like, Nate Diaz is not an easy guy to put away, right? Like, that's why people love Nate Diaz. It's not because he's the best fighter in the MMA, it's because he's tough as shit. Like, he can take a beating, and he just keeps coming. Like, that's why people love him the way that they do. So, I guess my expectation wasn't necessarily that Leon was going to finish him, but my expectation was that Leon looked like the better fighter for the majority of the fight, and that's exactly what we got until the final minute. And then to just have the impression that, you know, Leon Edwards had to hang on to a dominant win... It just, the whole thing just once again you watch a Leon Edwards fight and, and it ends and you just feel sick about it yeah uh, man for all, for all the bad luck that he's had over the last year and a half um, or basically two years uh, it, it's just it just sucks like I said I don't know if he stepped on uh, on a mirror or whatever I don't know if he's got a uh, seven years of bad luck I don't know if this is just year two of it or year three of it or whatever but Leon Edwards is, uh, has been so unlucky. And, you know, 
for it to be as dominant as it was and then for him to get rocked in the final minute like yeah there's got to be some type of, of voodoo type shit for him to have be dealing with that man because it's tough to see because we see how how skilled and how talented that Leon Edwards is uh, but, it, you know, it just sucks that he's not going to get the title shot right away. He's still up there, but I feel like he's going to have to uh, fight again for him to get it. You got to go Masvidal now, right? Yeah, I feel like that'll uh, capitalize on, uh, you know, coming off of a Nate Diaz win. I mean, even though he did get rocked and everything, it, it was a dominant win. Uh, I think that, that Masvidal fight has a really huge storyline uh, in the three-piece Minnesota, you know, that whole incident. Right. You know, there's a there's a big story with that. You know, I feel like there's no other fight for him, really. I mean, I know that there's the Wonder Boy and Gilbert Burns winner and everything, but as, in terms of building Leon Edwards' star power, if you want to call it that, there's no other way to go than uh, Masvidal. Yeah, I don't think you want to wait on Burns, Wonder Boy, and have, like, I, I think you need to get Leon back in as soon as possible. I think that even though the Nate Diaz fight didn't accomplish what it was supposed to, and that was you know, shooting Leon Edwards to the top of that division, it at least made a lot of people aware of who Leon Edwards is that probably weren't aware otherwise. So even if you didn't capitalize on it, maybe you're able to sell the Masvidal-Leon fight in a much better way on the heels of him fighting Nate Diaz. Uh, and then that's, you know, for the second time in a row, a monster, like, prove-it fight for Leon. And look, with the backstory, that that's a main event on its own. Like, that... That's perfect. Like you don't you don't need anything other than the backstory to sell Leon Edwards and, and Jorge Masvidal. And you look at that division, it looks like Colby's next for, for Kamaru. Burns has Wonder Boy. Luke has Kiesa. Uh, and then you go further down. I guess you could potentially go Leon Edwards Bilal Muhammad because of the eye poke. Like you could run that one back, but I, that one to me doesn't do nearly as much for that division as Leon Masvidal would. So yeah, and, and I don't think Leon would even would even entertain the, the idea of fighting Bilal again. You know, even though Bilal is a, a tough fighter and everything, uh, Leon views himself as the as the number one contender. So uh, if it's not for the title, I feel like he'll wait. Or if the UFC can really sell him on the Masvidal fight, then he'll uh, fight Masvidal. But I think it's one of those two for, for Edwards. Uh, what's next for Nate Diaz? Man, I think... Um, I think we're we're gonna see another you know star type fight. I think um, the the winner or the loser of uh, Connor and Nate or uh, Connor and Dustin could be next for for uh, for, for uh, Nate Diaz for sure. I, I I think you nailed it. I think the loser of that fight gets Nate Diaz. Period. Especially if it's Connor, like uh, right. especially if it's Connor. If if it's if Connor loses that Poirier fight. I think that's just the right way to go. I think it's uh, time for the trilogy. I know that it's always there and you can always do it, but I think Nate's star power has risen in a way that it's not on Connor's level, but it's really, it's getting up there. It's getting to the point where um, uh, Nate it could be just as popular as Connor. So uh, I would love to see the trilogy happen next if uh, Connor loses. Yeah, that'll be a blockbuster. And, you know, obviously there's Poirier and, and Nate had. A lot of conversations uh, within the last year as well. So, and and I think when you just consider the star that Dustin Poirier has kind of elevated to, that fight makes a ton of sense. Um, you know, if he were to uh, be on the wrong end of the next pay per view, so 
uh, yeah, I'm with you. I think uh, I think either way, the loser of that makes the most sense. If it's not the loser of that, I mean, maybe it's uh, maybe it's a Jake Paul situation for Nate Diaz. I don't know, but yeah, look, exactly. he, I mean, he's. Once again, Nate Diaz being Nate Diaz just makes him as po- as popular as he could possibly be, losing four rounds to one uh, on a massive pay-per-view card, you know, a fight that's not even really close other than the, the big shot that lands in the final minute, and people are just losing their minds for this guy. It's it's amazing. So, um, they, they, I mean, there's just so many ways they can capitalize on Nate Diaz once again. Um, okay, so let's hit the main event. I don't know about you. This was there was zero surprise to me as, as far as how this fight went. I never expected it to be close. I thought it would be a completely dominant performance from Israel Adesanya. In fact, it was so predictable. Well, I had I had people over on Saturday night watching the fight, and uh, I had people saying this fight's boring. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's Izzy completely dominating the fight, completely dictating the terms of the fight. Yeah, you know, there there wasn't much uh, that Vittori could do to him outside of uh, really just taking him down. And, uh, you know, you, you could just see that Izzy has been working on his takedown defense, um, worked on his grappling, you know, up against the fence and everything. Uh, he was able to reverse some of uh, Vittori's grappling uh, on the fence and stuff. He got taken down a, few, a couple of times. You know, Vittori uh, did a good job with that, but... Um, I think, like you said, it was just, you know, Izzy just really dictating the distance, you know, uh, whenever uh, Vittori closed the distance, try to get close to him. He was just dodging all of his shots and kind of making them look silly. Um, uh, definitely had his way on the feet, uh, was chopping up his leg. You know, his Vittori's leg was in really, really bad shape. Um, you know, I, yeah, like, you know, I think we're, we're going accustomed to seeing this from Izzy. Um, he'll go out there, he'll attack the legs, he'll, he'll make it really tough for you to pursue him. And if you try to wrestle him, he's getting to the point where he uh, is able to, to defend these takedowns and, uh, you know, do something on the ground as well. So, uh, you know, dominant performance from Izzy. You know, he, there was that one uh, exchange where he almost, where uh, Vittori took his back. In the third, and, yeah. uh, almost, in the third and uh, put him in a bad position, but you know, Izzy did um, reverse that so easily um, too. Like, I like I was yeah. sho- I was like, oh my god! Like this is this is a bad spot, and it was just. I mean, he shook it off like it was nothing. Yeah, it shook it off like it was nothing, and then basically like choked him. Like, <laughs> how, like how dare you try to do that to me? Right. Like, <laughs> like it was it was crazy, man. And uh, you know, Izzy just had his way from there. I think. You know, just like Izzy said, I feel like after he reversed that and uh, and choked him like that, I think that just took all of the fight that Vittori had left in him. Uh, you know, Vittori, you know, hung in there for the for the remainder of the fight, but you know, uh, he he could just see after that that there was really no way for him to really win this fight. You know, he wasn't a threat on, on the feet and uh, on the ground. There wasn't much of a threat there either. So, uh, dominant performance for Izzy, and uh, we all pretty much know what's next for him. Yeah, we didn't get to really discuss this fight last week, but it was crazy to me how many people seemingly just forgot how good Izzy was because of one loss. And if you really look at that loss and you go back and rewatch it, it's not like Jan completely dominated Izzy. It's not like, I mean, you can make the argument that Izzy won that fight. I don't think he did. I believe that Jan won the fight, but... I don't think it was by such a margin that you can't make a, an argument for the other guy. Like, it was it was a razor-thin margin, Will. 
Like, Izzy was really close to being a champ champ. And it's a completely different narrative if that's the case. But because on a thin margin, Jan wins round five and and Izzy gets his first L, like people just completely forget about how good this guy is. And then on the other side of it, it's like because one guy dominates him on the ground, you just automatically think the next guy that has a ground game can do the same thing. And it's, it, first of all, Jan Blahovich is as scary as anybody in the UFC standing up. So if you're talking about getting taken down, Jan Blahovich is a threat to take you down because you have to be on high alert as to not get hit by one of his shots that can potentially end your night. Marvin Vittori doesn't present that same threat. And I'm not trying to say that Marvin Vittori can't hurt you, but you are nowhere, in no way, in no world, in no universe, giving Marvin Vittori the same sort of respect on the feet that you were giving Jan Blahovich, which makes it easier to defend takedowns. Secondly, when you just look at the pure weight of Jan Blahovich versus Marvin Vittori, Marvin Vittori's not going to weigh on you as heavy as Jan Blahovich did when you were a weight class up versus fighting in your own weight class. So, like, those two things alone, I thought, were getting completely missed by people last week. That's where I stood on this thing. I mean, I think Israel really uh, presented himself really, really well in that fight. And I think it was 2-2 going into the fifth. I think the fifth was really, really close. I think Izzy was on his way. I think Izzy was on his way to winning that fifth round until Jan did uh, score that takedown. And then... Of course, you know, there were there were those people who gave it a 10-8. It wasn't a 10-8 no. in my opinion. I think the round was very, very close until Jan got that takedown. I think Jan just solidified the victory with that takedown. But, you know, the round – but the fight was really close. Izzy definitely could have became a, a double champ uh, on that night. But, you know, it went in Jan's favor. And Israel really uh, took it to him on the feet. Um, you know, Jan was able to get to him in ways that middleweights can't. But Izzy was still able to, to maintain a – a very well uh, distance away from him, and uh, and then on top of that, it's just it's just the weight difference, man. Like Izzy right. went into that fight not gaining any weight; he just didn't cut any weight. He went in there uh, two hundred and two hundred pounds, and Jan uh, had to cut to get to two hundred five. So uh, there was a, a a big weight discrepancy, and Jan took advantage of it. So going Izzy going back down to one eighty five. And even though Vittori had 11 takedowns against Kevin Holland, there was no thought in my mind that um, no. Vittori would be able to do that to Izzy. You know, Izzy is uh, able to maintain distance a lot better than Kevin Holland. Uh, he he definitely trains on his wrestling a lot more than Kevin Holland. Um, even though they're they're both tall, they're both strikers. Um, Izzy just has a, a a better fight IQ, a better championship level IQ than than Kevin Holland does. So I just you know. I didn't really see the point of, I mean, I guess to really uh, sell the fight, to really make you want to watch it. But, um, yeah, you know, I didn't think that there would be much that Vittori could, could do to, to Izzy. Uh, I did think that it would be a tough fight because I do think that Vittori is really tough. And he uh, he had a lot of belief in himself. You could just see it and just how he talked. He had a lot of belief in, him, in himself. But I definitely thought that Izzy just w- would uh, have the dominant, the dominant performance that he did. Um but I feel like, you know, a lot of uh, middleweights are going to struggle to try to do what Jan did. I, I know Jan laid out a blueprint right. to beat him, but Jan had a lot of advantages uh, with the weight and with him being as tall as Izzy. Um, these other guys, like Vittori's got, you know, 
Izzy's got four inches of height on Vittori. He's right. got a lot of reach on Vittori. Um, and Vittori's not as big as Jan. So it's it's just really tough for these middleweights to to do what Jan did. And I don't know what the recipe is to to beat Izzy at 185, but if you're going to try to do what, uh, what Jan Blachowicz did, I, I don't think that's going to work out well for you. I don't see a recipe at 185, if I'm being honest. I, I, he his takedown, he doesn't get enough credit for his takedown defense, first and foremost. I think he doesn't get enough credit for his strength in the clinch. Like, when he fights 185ers in the clinch, like, he's never in jeopardy. It's, it, I mean, I think he, he's very underrated in that way. He doesn't get thrown around like, you know, you know, go back to the Kevin Holland fight with Vittori. When they got in the clinch, I mean, Marvin Vittori was able to really handle Kevin Holland. He can't do that again. Israel Adesanya is a lot stronger than people want to give him credit for. And at 185, those guys aren't just going to get in the clinch and be able to manhandle him to the ground. So I think the strength and the takedown defense uh, are undervalued. But like I talked about, there's nobody at 185 that is as scary as Yawn standing up that you have to worry about KOing you the way that Yawn will that also is going to give you 20 extra pounds when you're laying on top of it. Like, Jan didn't get Izzy on the ground and then just have all of these great moves to keep him there. (laughs) Jan literally weighed, like, a weight class above him and just laid on him, right? Like, Izzy couldn't do anything because Jan is massive. Marvin Vittori's not that much bigger than Izzy when you break it down as far as weight. So, like, I think those two things... He's not scared of getting hit by Marvin Vittori like he had to be with getting hit by Jan Blahovich. And nobody's going to lay on him and just prevent him from being able to do anything at that weight class. Nobody in that weight class is going to lay on Izzy and prevent him from being able to do anything, period. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. Like, um, you know, a lot of people think that it's going to be Robert Whitaker. I, I believe that Robert Whitaker is going to be next. And I really just see, I really don't see how Robert is going to be able to win this fight. Um, I mean, we've seen what Izzy has done when he's gotten in trouble against Gaslam. Uh, Gaslam was able to reach him uh, in a way that nobody else has. And Robert Whitaker tried to do that, that same thing that Gaslam did. And we saw the result. Izzy's getting better by the fight, no matter if uh, if these fights are boring or whatever the case is. Like, Izzy's getting better by the fight. Um, His training is is top-notch. He's putting himself in bad positions in training. So when they they happen in the fight, um, he's able to to get out of these positions, just like when um, Vittori took his back and how easy he uh, got out of it. You can tell that 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 was drilled over and over and over again in practice. So... um, it's going to be tough for, for guys who aren't as tall as Jan, who aren't as uh, big or have a, a wrestling base or a striking base or whatever to do what Jan did to him. And, you know, I, I just don't see, just like you said, I don't see there, it, there being anyone at 185 that presents the recipe of beating Izzy. It's going to be really, really tough. For sure. Yeah, I think that uh, maybe Robert Whitaker's the best threat, but uh, as, and I'm saying this as a Robert Whitaker fan, uh, I just don't see the path for to victory for Robert Whitaker against the uh, puzzle that is Israel Adesanya at 185. All right, man, you ready to make some picks? Let's do it. Okay, so we went into UFC 263 uh, with uh, you holding a four-point lead. And the only fight we disagreed on on the main card of UFC 263 was Brandon Moreno, Figueredo, three-point title fight. So 
you walked away from UFC 263, gaining three points overall. So, Will Brewer, you have a seven-point lead once again. As I had chipped that thing down to four, you uh, you jump it back to seven going into uh, UFC Fight Night on Saturday. Uh, first, you like this card? This is one of those sneaky good cards. Like, of course, we all know what the what the main event represents. Like, that's just going to be uh, chaos from the from the from the jump. But um, I like that you threw chaos is- out there because he's on this card. Right, this card is going to be. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this fight is going to be uh, uh, is going to be chaotic. The main event, but the rest of the card, man, um, it's a sneaky good card. A lot of really really intriguing fights. Um, I, the, the hardcore fans, you know, everybody that knows about the Korean Zombie and Danny Gay know about the main event. But um, definitely, there's a lot of uh, good fights on this card. Uh, Marlon Vera, uh, Sergey Spivak, and Alexi Olenek going to be fun. Uh, Matt Brown, so. A lot of a lot of uh, good fighters on this card for sure. Sticky good. All right, let's uh, let's kick this thing off. We start in the welterweight division. We have fifteen and eight Diego Lima against twenty two and eighteen Matt Brown. Uh, our UFC odds for this fight: Diego Lima is a minus one eighty five favorite. Will Brewer, your selection. Man, uh, so. This one's this one's kind of tough for me because I feel like um, in a in another time Matt Brown would uh, would win this fight rather easily, but I feel like you know at this stage of his career he's really starting to slow down. So I wonder um, how much he has left. I definitely feel like this fight will probably go to a decision. Um, ah. You know, I really want to pick Matt Brown. Like, I really do because uh, I feel like... Do it. Uh, you know, like I said, like in, in another time, I feel like Matt Brown would would have won this fight. But, uh, dang, man. And just with how Diego Lima will chop up his legs. I'm, I'm going to go Diego Lima, man. Okay. I, I don't think Matt Brown has it anymore. I tried to bait you because uh, I'm taking <laughs> Diego Lima as well. Look, I'll say this. Matt Brown is a problem uh, out of the gate. Like, you, you've you got to... He can he can, uh, he can can get a win here, I, I think. Only early, though. I think if you can withstand uh, the early flurry, like you said, Diego Lima will chip away and uh, get this W. So, Diego Lima for me as well. All right, uh, middleweights. We have 16-4 and four overall Wellington Terman against 19 and 6 Bruno Silva making his UFC debut will we have Terman as a minus 170 favorite well you know for me not knowing much about Bruno Silva um with him with them being uh making his UFC debut debut um I don't really know much about him and I've seen Wellington fight before so I'm going to go with uh Wellington Terman. Very nice. Um, I I was uh, just going to go opposite you regardless of what you did here. Uh, I'm totally happy to take uh, Bruno Silva making his UFC debut just to be on the opposite side of a fight on this card. So let's, uh, let's just get that out of the way uh, so we don't reach the end agreeing across the board. 
All right, uh, let's see. We have featherweights Julian Arosa, 25 and 8 overall against Sung Woo Choi, 9 and 3 overall. Oddshark.com have Sung Woo Choi as a minus 135 favorite. Whew, uh, this one's tough. I remember, I know Julian Arosa's coming off that flying knee. Um, it was like the it was like in the first round. I forgot who he fought, but I, I know it was a flying knee in the first round. Nate Landwehr? Um, it was Nate Landwehr, yeah. Uh, flying knee, took him out, crazy win. I think he's won uh, three or four in a row. So um, this one's tough because uh, Choi's been fighting pretty good as well. Uh, he's still relatively young in the sport. So... I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go. in this one. All right, taking the underdog. Uh, I'm taking the underdog as well. Will Brewer. I, I thought. <laughs> uh, I thought this might be one of the fights that uh, I was able to get on the opposite side of you by uh, taking the underdog. But we are in agreement. Um, Sungwoo Choi has lost to some pretty good fighters in featherweight. He's uh, put together back-to-back wins. But uh, I, I, I'm with you. I, I like. Uh, I like what Julian Arosa brings. Um, I think this will be a really good fight, though. This uh, this might be, I mean, on a on a card that, especially a main card that has several potential fight of the night type matchups. I think this could potentially be one of them. I'm with you, man. But there are definitely a couple of fights on this card that could be a <laughs> fight of the night for sure. I'm ex- I'm excited, man. All right, uh, our next fight uh, in the bantamweight division, we have Chito Vera, 8-7-1 overall against Davey Grant, 11-4 overall. Oddshark.com has Marlon Chito Vera as a minus 350 favorite, Will. (laughs) Man, you know, Davey Grant has really uh, been making a name for himself. He's won three in a row. I think his uh, in his last fight he got a knockout. Uh, I don't remember who it was against, but uh, I remember in his last fight he did get a knockout. Um, no, I think I picked I picked against him in that fight, so uh, I think that's why I remember it so well. I just don't remember who it was against, but um, you know I think Marlon, uh, I think Chito Vera, I think uh, he lost to Aldo in his last fight, and I remember he got screwed in that Song Yudong fight, but. Um, to, for me, in, in my opinion, I think Chito Vera's won his last seven outside of that Aldo fight. Um, I think he got screwed in that Song Yudong fight. Completely and agree. He, and then he, uh, and then he uh, rebounded with that Sean O'Malley win. Uh, Aldo, you know, he's a legend of the sport and just kind of uh, outclassed him, uh, scored a decision. But I think uh, Chito Vera is still really, really tough, and I think the odds, you know, agree. So. I'm going to go Chio Vera in this one, but I definitely think it's going to be a, a tough one for him. Yeah, look, Davey Grant has the ability to finish this fight with one shot, right? And that's that's always the scary part. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I go back to that Jonathan Martinez fight for Davey Grant, and Jonathan, Jonathan Martinez Martin. had a lot of success in that first round, and I kind of look at the way that he did that and how Chito Vera might be able to have the same success as well. Uh, so Davy Grant's definitely somebody that you can't take for granted. He can definitely finish the fight, but uh, I think we see uh, Cheeto Vera really display all of his skills in this matchup and give me Cheeto Vera as well. All right, our co-main event. Um, by the way, I'm, 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 I love that I'm about to give this uh, overall fight record. We have heavyweights, Will. 
Alexi Olinick at 59, 15, and 1 versus Sergey Spivak, 12 and 2 overall. Will Brewer, Alexi Olinick, still doing it. I know that uh, you and I had the conversation after the uh, Chris Dawkins fight. Um, was it time? Uh, no, it's not time, sir. Alexi Olinick is back. He is back in the octagon on Saturday night. Your thoughts? Oh, let me give you the odds. We have uh, Sergey Spivak as a minus two fifty favorite. Man, you know, at this point, you know, Alexi Olenek's been there, done that. You know, this is his sixty sixth professional fight, which is incredible, especially at the heavyweight division. Like, that is insane. Um, uh, credit to him to last this long and still be doing it, still be uh, a top 15 heavyweight in the UFC. But with that being said, you know, I think we're reaching the point where um, he's on that downward slope. Uh, he's lost his last two. Um, and I think, you know, he, he's finding these younger guys who just, you know, have more hunger than him at this point. Uh, he's still got love for the game, but I just think these these uh, these younger guys just have more in the tank. So I'm going to take uh, Sergey Spivak. I don't even know that it's they're hungrier as much as like like you said at the end I think they just have more in the tank like this guy 59 15 and 1 Will this guy's been fighting since I was born uh, that's not true but um, I'm just going to throw that out there I, I think the Chris Dawkins fight I, I felt like just kind of showed where he is in this sport versus guys that are younger and stronger and just have more physical ability at this point right like um I, I, I look at what he's done over the last couple of years. You have lost to Alistair Overeem, lost to Walt Harris. Uh, he beat Maurice Green, which I, I think uh, the last time Maurice Green fought, you said something along the lines of, I've never seen Maurice Green look good in the octagon. Um, <laughs> Fabricio <laughs> Verdum was a W, uh, but also kind of in the same camp to a degree. And then losses to Derek Lewis and Chris Dawkins. I, I just think that... Uh, while he is still dangerous because if he gets a hold of you, he could end the fight. Um, I, I just think that the physical discrepancy between him at whatever age he's at now versus a guy like Spivak, who's at the top of his conditioning at, you know, at, as far as just being an athlete at this top level, I just think that gap continues to grow between the UFC heavyweights and where Alex Olenek is. So uh, Spivak for me as well. But look, I, this is one of those uh, I would love to be wrong about. Yeah, and if Olenek gets a gets a hold of you, no matter where you are, uh, no matter what position you're in uh, on the ground, if no matter if you're on top raining down punches, if Olenek gets a, a a hold of you, I mean, you could think you're in a in a good spot for a little bit, and then all of a sudden you're raining down punches, and then you're tapping. I, I, I mean, I just don't get it. A lot of the times, like, how do you keep letting Olenek get a hold of you and just uh, you you get lazy on the ground like that? But right. Yeah, Olenek is very dangerous on the ground, no matter where, no matter what position he's in. Absolutely. All right, our main event: Will Brewer in the featherweight division. We have Korean Zombie, sixteen and six overall, against Dan Ige, fifteen and three overall. Uh, by the way, both guys are minus one ten in this fight. Uh, so no, at least as of now, no betting underdog. Can you honestly tell me you know Korean Zombie's real name? Is it, uh, 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 Chan, Chan Sun Jung? That's right? it. That's it. Good job. 
That's yeah, look, that's better than me because I've been a fan of this guy for a long time, but like we all know him as Korean Zombie. I've I've never, I guess I I don't want to say I've never bothered to learn his name, but nobody ever refers to him by his name. So it's just like not one of those things that I guess the information never sticks for me. Uh, so if you had told me right now, I will give you $20 if you can tell me Korean Zombie's real name, I, I would have failed. <laughs> and, and it's crazy because even guys in interview will call him Zombie or, yeah. or whatever. They like yeah. they won't call him uh, Chan or uh, right. Jung or whatever. They'll just call him Zombie. So, Dude, the UFC um, graphics when they promote this fight have Korean Zombie <laughs> versus Dan Ige. Right. The UFC not, not, promotes it as Korean Zombie Ige, not Chan Sung Young. <laughs> Right. So, yeah, um, I mean, I guess uh, I knew, you know, I've been following him for a while. So, of course, like I'll I'll dig into his into his name and stuff. But, yeah, the the UFC promotion will call him uh, the Korean zombie. Like I remember his first main event against Aldo. It was Aldo versus the Korean zombie for the featherweight championship. So uh, for years, like that's all people know him by. I remember him uh, getting a win over Dustin Poirier way back in the day. Um, I, I think the fight that probably almost everybody remembers is uh, the Yair Rodriguez fight. Um, right. Well, that was just crazy. And obviously, you know, the the loss for Korean Zombie with, what, a second left or two seconds left? I mean, it was literally a buzzer beater. That was just one of the craziest things I've ever seen in the history of the UFC. Uh, but look, th- you, here's what you know. This guy is going to bring it every time out. I was pretty shocked to see the gap between he and Brian Ortega, the last time he fought, I thought that was going to be a great fight, and I think we all came out of that. There's a reason Brian Ortega is fighting for the title now, because Brian Ortega looked that good against Korean Zombie. Uh, on the other side of it, you know, Dan Ige had that loss to Calvin Cater last year and bounces back in a huge way, knocking out Gavin Tucker in 22 seconds. So uh, for one of these guys, obviously a win over the other is is going to do really big things in that division, but this is just going to be a great fight period i believe absolutely i think uh this is this is definitely my fight of the night uh i think this has the potential to be one of the fights of the year uh, both of these guys bring it um dan ige has been getting performance bonuses you know his whole career and uh same for the korean zombie man i like you said that fight with yaya rodriguez was a fight he was winning and just you know just with two seconds left, just a, a, a final desperation. I don't even want to say that it was uh, something that he actually threw. I just think that Zombie just like <laughs> ran into his elbow and then just like it was a it was a, a strike that no one was expecting to to, to land and so my uh, yeah out. yeah it, it's crazy to even think about like I'll I jumped just... out of my seat in that moment like mind blown yeah because you're waiting for the buzzer to go off and then yeah. you just see Green Zombie just drop like he just got shot or something yeah. so. Um, yeah, you know, and, and then, you know, he's, he's, he's a guy who's been finishing guys. Like I remember watching him, uh, finish Frankie Edgar. He finished, uh, uh, Dennis Bermudez. Uh, so like a lot of his fights ended finishes, um, Ortega just, you know, he came out and was a completely different fighter than what, uh, we have seen from Ortega in his previous fights. He had taken two years off and he had obviously worked on his skills and definitely just came out and showed a different side of himself that, uh, you know, zombie wasn't really prepared for. So, um, uh, I think with this fight, it's going to be a completely different fight. Uh, 
I, you know, to the to this moment I'm speaking, I really don't know who I'm going to pick. Uh, this is one of those fights that I wish I was going second because I'd probably just pick opposite you. But do you want me to give me uh, your? I, I will. Uh, I'll give you my pick then if you want to do that. But you know, as the guy that's um, that's leading, I feel like I should go first. Okay. But I mean, but right now I think uh, I'm going to just hand it over to you because okay. I really don't know where I'm going. Because I, I do have a pick. So if you want to just go opposite my pick, I will give you that opportunity. You don't have to take it, but uh, I'm going to take Dan Ige. I, I just kind of feel like these two guys are at a very similar level as far as their high end, but I feel like. Dan Ige is still on the climb to reach his peak, and I don't feel like Korean Zombie's still on the climb to reach his peak, right? Like, I think we've seen maybe the best of Korean Zombie, and I think he's on the other side of that, whereas I think Dan Ige is still building. So, um, th- you're right. This is a very tough fight, but I do like Dan Ige to get the win here. Ah. <sighs> Yeah, you know, I'm just going to go opposite you because okay. I'm, uh, I'm probably going to spend another, like, 10 minutes just thinking <laughs> about who I really want to pick. So I'm just going to go Korean Zombie. You know, uh, I would, you know, both of these guys are very likable guys. So either Absolutely. one of them, I, I'm going to be very happy for whoever wins this fight. Um, but, man, uh, this fight's going to be great. Fight of the night, fight of the year potential for me. So um, it's going to be exciting, man. Likeable guys with likable fighting styles. That's like the best case scenario, right? You have two guys Absolutely. that are both likable and two guys that every time they're in the octagon, like deliver a style that that pleases everybody. Like that's that's the best case scenario. So for any of you that may be fringe UFC fans getting ready for Saturday night, uh, this is the fight you don't want to miss. Absolutely. This fight is going to be chaos from the from the jump uh danny <laughs> is gonna bring it and korean zombie uh or chan sun jung is gonna bring it um for the for the entirety of this fight no matter if it's just one round or five both these guys are gonna bring it uh and i'm, I'm so excited for it all right my friend uh look forward to it we are on the opposite side of a uh, few fights so uh at least there will be points up for grabs and uh, hopefully we can narrow this thing uh, before we get to our next pay-per-view, pay-per-view, UFC 264, which will be the trilogy fight between Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. Will, always appreciate it, my friend, and uh, we'll do it again next week. Yes, sir. Peace. Will Brewer joining me on today's episode of the Colby Daniels Podcast. Podcast is over.